Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, this is Dean. Thank you so much for joining us once again at the Dean Hawk Leadership Podcast. We are picking up where we left off from last month. Um, This is a whole new subject, but I encourage you, if you missed Improving Our Communication Skills Part 1, I would encourage you to check that out as well. This, This month, we are going to dive into a different arena, and we're going to talk about the people that are in our crowd who are seated in our auditoriums or watching us on live stream, and how do we effectively communicate to those different personality types and those different kinds of listeners. And so we want to talk about understanding our crowd and specifically how people learn. And so first off, we have to know there are different kinds and types of learners. In all of our congregations, we're going to have a mixture of the following. These are the three predominant uh, kinds and types of learners. You may have heard this before. The first type of learner is what we would call an auditory learner. And this represents, hear me, 30% of the population who learn best when information is presented to them in an auditory manner. Hearing information helps them internalize concepts that are taught. And so this is the group that most communicators target in their communication is they are preaching and teaching and only using their verbal skills to get the message and the sermon across. This type of learner focuses their ears and attention on your words, listening carefully to everything you say. Now, here's what's intriguing. The average listener only retains 25% of what they hear retain only 25% of what they hear. And many people have asked me, why do you use a fill-in-the-blank handout? Because 25 people only remember and retain 25% of what they hear. When they hear it, when they see it, and when they write it, their learning improves and drastically increases. This kind of learner would rather... uh, likes to talk rather than write and relish the opportunity to discuss what they've heard. They, they, they love to talk about it. They need to use, uh, they need us to use animation and inflection and diversity in our speech levels. We don't want to be monotone, um, that we, we want them to uh, hear in an um, animated conversation um, using variables in our in our speech and presentation. They love it when auditory learners love it when you say, repeat after me or say this. They love to be able to speak it and communicate it. They will also value discussion questions about the sermon to take home and to talk over with their family members. So if we're going to preach, if we're going to teach, if we're going to minister to these kinds of individuals, what is the application? Well, number one, make sure that your microphone and audio levels are set at comfortable levels. We we hit on that a little bit last month. We need to engage them in the sermon by having them repeat statements or responding verbally. 
And thirdly, we need to provide discussion questions for them to dialogue about the message afterwards. Now, the second uh, area are what we would call visual learners, visual learners. And this represents, check it out, 65% of the population. And these are people who understand and learn best when information is presented to them visually. They need to see the information and it helps them visualize the concepts that are being taught. And so they'll learn via diagrams, charts, pictures, videos, photos, and reading, seeing, and, and reading the uh, written words. They need visual illustrations in our communication and our presentations. They believe it and understand it when they can see it. And so here's, here lies the power of what people retain. 10% of what they read, they retain. 20% of what they hear, they retain 30% of what they see, and they retain 50% of what they see and hear, and they retain 70% of what they say and write. Once again, it, be, it is a challenge to prepare your sermon, to dial it in, to have, uh, for me, it has to be done by Wednesday of every week. My sermon notes have to be complete so I can give them to my staff to prepare the handouts, the corresponding PowerPoints. If any of you have downloaded any of my sermons, you see that I do that. Why do you do the fill in the blanks? Because it excels people in learning. It causes people to stay at attentive. And what it does for me as a communicator is it causes me to be focused and intentional on what I'm going to say. I am a habitual procrastinator. And the only reason that my sermon is done by Wednesday is that as a deadline. If I don't have to have a handout and a PowerPoint, I will not be finishing my sermon until Saturday night and maybe Sunday morning because I tend to run to the edge. But when I set up a self-deadline and I focus on what my words are going to be, developing that content and developing that fill-in-the-blank handout makes a difference. Years ago, when our church was just young, a dad came up to me, he had three teenage uh, sons, and he came up and he said to me, he said, okay, my boys have grown up in church. He said, I have never seen them take notes in church. I don't get it. How do you do it? Well, all I was doing is I was adapting what I did in my youth ministry days to my uh, pastoral ministering to adult days as I had fill in the blank handouts. And I looked at him and I said, it's the power of the blank. People want to see if they can figure out what the blank is before you get there. And they are frustrated if they go through the sermon and they're missing a blank. It's the power of the blank. They want to know what is the answer. And then here's, uh, um, um, here's what's key. People will retain 90% of what they do. And so that even escalates even higher. So what's the application? My goal is to create some type of visual illustration to help them see and understand a spiritual truth, 
Jesus used weeds and seeds and camels and farmers and coins and trees and fruit to convey his message. He was taking something that was culturally relevant to help them understand a parable, a spiritual truth. And so, as I said, I create a fill-in-the-blank handout that makes them want to follow along. I I don't create it, my staff does, but I give them the notes of what I want in the PowerPoint, and we create a corresponding PowerPoint to the sermon points that are on the handout. It's creating a visual image on the screens in the front of the auditorium. I utilize on the stage with me, I don't have a podium, I just preach from a laptop, but I use on the stage with me a 60-inch TV that has the sermon points and the main scriptures I'm going to use. And I use it kind of like a teacher used to in old days use a blackboard. But um, I have found that that helps people engage. They're, they're hearing, but they're seeing it on the screen, and then I'm visualizing it with a, a specific visual message. And we're going to get into, just at the tail end of this, some of the visual illustrations and, and how you can use and apply them as we get into that. But then we also have, on each side of our auditorium, two 20-foot screens that will give a, a, uh, a visual, a close-up, um, that I have the cameras so that they can, what, see my, my facials and my visuals. And I don't know what you guys have experienced, but I'll be looking at the crowd, and their eyes are not looking at me personally. They're looking to where the large screens are, and it always reminds me, look at the camera, look at the camera, look at the camera. I'm even ministering to people who are sitting in my auditorium. And so uh, the third area, uh, the third kind or type of learner is what we would call the kinesthetic learner. And this only represents 5% of the population who understand and learn best when information is presented to them kinesthetically. What does that mean? It's using their hands, their bodies um, to help them experience the concepts taught. And so they learn best by doing. They want to have their hands on the keyboard, the hammer, uh, because they think in terms of physical action or activity. This group learns best when they can practice what they're learning. They need to see it demonstrated and how the principles apply in everyday life. So this is one probably in a, in a larger ministry uh, platform uh, environment, this is the group that is harder to specifically minister to. But here's what you can do. When you need a volunteer on the stage for an illustration, they're the one that you can pull up. They're the one that's going to volunteer. I want to see it. I want to be involved. I want to be there. Secondly, um, the activity of writing and filling in the blank on the sermon handout enthuses them. They're really excited. I want to do, I want to be a part of what's happening. And thirdly, they like something tangible to take home to remind them of the message. So over the years, uh, I taught a sermon on miracles and I had um, uh, smooth stones 
river stones that were carved in them and it said miracles happen. And as everyone left that day, I said, here's a small stone. I want you to carry it in your pocket as a reminder that miracles happen. And every time you reach for your keys or you reach for your phone or you reach for some change, I want you to pull out that small stone that reminds you that miracles happen. We did, uh, for Easter two years ago, we did little small wooden uh, crosses that were little wooden keychains. And, and they carry them on their keychain to remember what Christ did on the cross for them. Uh, one time I, I said, what would Jesus do? And we were kind of going in that vein. And, and I took one of the uh, uh, paintings by the, the young girl that had a vision of Jesus. And she, she painted this beautiful portrait of Jesus. Well, I had those printed and laminated and asked people to carry them in their purse, their wallet, or their pocket. That would be a reminder, spend your money like Jesus would spend. Respond like Jesus would respond. And, and uh, one time I was talking about reaching the lost. And so as people came out, we were passing out lifesavers. I talked about being, the message, title of the message was be a lifesaver. And so when they're leaving, we're giving them the, the big, chunky, uh, single wrapped lifesavers. What? I said, don't eat it, carry it in your pocket and let, you, let it be a reminder of what it means to be a lifesaver. And so um, here's a great analogy to help you understand the three types of learners in action. Um, if, you, if, you had a, if you had a child and, and uh, uh, the, the breakdown of what might happen in the home, listening learners heard their mother believe the information, and never touch the stove. They heard and they responded. Seeing learners watched their brother touch the stove and they vowed that they would never touch it. Experienced learners, they touched the stove, but only one time. And so those are the, the three types of learners. As we wrap up today's uh, podcast, I just want to share with you the, the, the power of the visual illustration. And when we visualize a spiritual truth, it creates an imprint on the human brain that lasts longer than our verbal or our printed words. And so our goal is, as communicators, is to help people see and understand what they couldn't see on their own. And so when I pull out a rubber snake and I talk about unforgiveness and that forgiveness is not releasing or accepting what happened to you, but it's letting go of the offense so it cannot continue to hurt you, and I say it's like holding on to a rattlesnake. As long as I hold on to its tail, it's going to continue to bite me. But I let go of it so it can no longer hurt me. Suddenly people go, I'm ready to forgive as Christ has forgiven me. And they recognize the value of forgiveness. And Jesus was a master of using parables and illustrations. He'd pull a well-known item from their culture to explain a heavenly truth and help them understand. So here's some things that, that I have, have done to help capture visually. I have pre preached in costume or in character. Uh, one, I did a series called The Marriage Ref. It's available on, on DeanHawk.com. But I came out on the first Sunday dressed in a fully black and white pinstripe um, 
uh, referee uniform and introducing the subject on the marriage ref. The following Sunday, I was dressed like a coach with a polo of our of our uh, Denver Broncos and and had the clipboard and 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 presented. The following week, I came out as an NFL player and had the jersey and came out and shared what are the offensive and defensive plays. And so, creating a visual, cultural, and environment. Um, I did. It's I believe it's out there on our Christmas sermons. The man or the myth behind Christmas, and I preached the Christmas message in a full-on Christmas. Uh, uh, Santa Claus costume and and stayed in character the full time. I've come in as Indiana Jones on a zip line from the side of the auditorium coming in on the stage. I've came in in overalls as a farmer when I was talking about about planting and sowing and reaping. Came in as a lifeguard with red shorts and a and a lifeguard t-shirt on and, and had a lifeguard stand sitting on the stage with a with a small patch of sand and talked about how we need to rescue a generation and, and we need to keep our eyes on the horizon for those who might be struggling that are ready to be saved. And so all of those things create a visual picture. They they perk a person's interest. And so we believe that through a visual illustration, we can we can help them learn more, grasp more, and engage more. So 65% are visual learners. So here are some simple illustrations that, that you might have heard me share in some of my sermons you've downloaded or seen or heard before. But one of my favorites is I'll take dental floss and I'll wrap it around my finger and cut off all circulation. And then I'll make the statement, what blood is to the body, love is to a relationship. And then when we cut off the love, that, that finger, when we cut off the blood, that finger is going to ultimately die. That love is the lifeline. Love is the flow that causes a marriage, causes a relationship to thrive. When we, we talk about prayer, you can say, I pull out a firecracker and I say, the devil says when you pray, pop, pop, little things happen. But then I had a drilled out uh, hand grenade when God says, when you pray, great and awesome things take place. Creating a visual. The enemy says, when you pray, it's a little pop. God says, when you pray, it's explosive. I'm talking about water baptism. I came out with a full coffin and a corpse, not a real corpse, but a made up person that looked like a corpse and talked about how what water baptism is being buried with Christ and, and being resurrected from the dead. And we put on our new person that and, and help people go, oh, I get water baptism. I didn't get why people were being dunked. Now I understand that water baptism is a watery grave where I bury the old way, the old habits, and the old, old systems. When we talk about, I'll pull out a, a set of blueprints for our church building, and I'll, then I'll refer back to Psalms 139, that all the days were written for me before one of them even came to pass, that God has a set of blueprints for us to live and to follow. Um, the armor of God, I was teaching through the book of uh, Ephesians, and when Paul was writing that, and he's talking about the armor of God, he's looking at one of the Roman soldiers that is standing guard there in the prison, and he saw the helmet and the, and the breastplate, and he began to make a spiritual analogy of our spiritual 
uh, weapons compared to a natural weapon. Well, the entire time I taught that that section of scripture, I had a full-on Roman soldier from some Easter production days um, standing at full attention, just staring at the crowd as I shared that. When Jesus uh, says that we're to follow him. I talk about how Jesus is our true north, and I'll pull out a compass. And before you can know what is north, south, east, or west, you have to establish what is the true north. Now that I know what is the true north, I know what is east, I know where is west, and I know where south is. And then um, just going through, I did a series on the battlefield of mine, dressed our entire stage out uh, with um, um, battlefield tents and and camouflage netting, and just talked about for several weeks the battlefield of the mind. So I could go on and on about continuous um, visual illustrations. Here's why I would say it. When you know what you're going to be ministering on, the passage of Scripture, the big point, the main thing you want people to go home and remember is all I'm saying is ask the Holy Spirit, how can I visualize this to help them see it, grasp it, and know it? I believe it'll change your communication style. Yes, there will be those that will say it's immature, it's not needed. But once again, let's go back where we were before. We're trying to reach the non-believer, the baby believer, the child believer, the young adult believer, and the mature believer. The mature believers, if they can't catch the vision that you're trying to make the message palatable so that the young ones can understand it, then they really don't have a heart and a passion for where you're going as a church. But if you'll convey that vision, and I'll do it in leadership meetings. You know, some of you might ask, why, why, did, I, why did I pull a, a pink tutu on over my Levi's last Sunday? Because I can say I'm a ballerina and I can put on a tutu and say I'm a ballerina, but it doesn't make me a ballerina until you see the fruit that I can dance on my toes, do pirouettes, and I can truly have the skills. And so a lot of people will say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but do they have the fruit? And so then I'll convey, I'm doing that to help the young people grow and mature so they can become mature like you. I recognize you're mature and you don't need this, but thank you for your vision. Thank you for your heart to grow the body of Christ and to mature us. Here's the way I tell them. It's not about you or I making it to the top of the mountain to the secret place of the Most High. It's about us. Can we get the babies up the mountain? Can we get the children up the mountain? It's not about how high I can go. It's about how high we can go as a church family into the presence of God and growing and maturing and developing them. Hey, check out DeanHawk.com for all of our latest sermons that are released. I've got a, uh, a new series that has just been released and it is called Voices, Hearing God in a Cluttered World. And uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's 10 parts on hearing, knowing, recognizing, obeying the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think you guys will enjoy that. Might be a great series for you to kick off this fall or maybe the first of the year. God bless you guys. Have a great summer. Get some time away. Get some rest. And uh, we'll see you back here at the same time, same place, the 15th, August 15th. We'll be back with another podcast. 
Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.